Welcome back to another Bear Necessities podcast. Post game win, first time back to back wins. Maddie Reflus's career, big Let's time. Go. Reese, when should we meet up to go to the parade tomorrow? <laughs> as early as possible. We're gonna have to celebrate. It's gonna be um, packed. Lo- <laughs> um, you know, all jokes aside. You know, as as we were chatting a little bit before this, as right before we hopped into it, gotta be the the best win under you know maybe not quite most dominant, um, but best win for Eberflus and obviously his first consecutive back to back wins. So, you know, you gotta like it, um, and <laughs> I feel like they're gonna send the Lions into a spiral. So it's kind of equally uh, satisfying to take down a divisional opponent like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're the Lions, you're or a Lions fan, you probably feel pretty horrible right now. I mean, it's going to be it's still going to be tough for them to not win the division, I think with it seems like the Packers are almost more than likely at this point. The Bears can't even get to 9 wins, which is what I think the Lions had until today. Or well, still. Um actually the Bears could Well, I think the Bears they could max out at 9. I think okay. that's if they win out, they're at nine, which they would have the tiebreaker over the Lions, too. But that would be would just they? monumental collapse. They would because they won the last divisional game against them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So after the divisional rec, if they if the Lions finish with a worse divisional record, then, yeah, you're right. The Bear, Yeah. The, and the Lions might finish because they still have the Lions p- played the Packers twice or just once so far. I think they've played the Packers twice and split with them. And I don't think they've played the Vikings yet, though. So I think they have two leftover matchups with the Vikings. Wow. Which is kind of okay. crazy. Yeah. The Vikings might screw us all, and we might have to finally admit that the Lions are capable of winning the NFC North. Um, but, <laughs> dude, if I'm a Lions fan, man, and this is – I'm I'm a, we're going to avoid this conversation for the going, but, like, if you look at the Lions as a team right now, they're really struggling because they just don't have a quarterback that gives them anything positive. You know, he doesn't make any wrongs, right? He can only give you what you give him and they're struggling because of that. And you wonder, Hey, they picked a high a couple of times over the past couple of years. Where would they be if they drafted a quarterback and developed him under Jared Goff, uh, which was the expectation until they started doing kind of good last year. Um, and I, I think that we can maybe see some parallels here with this Bears team uh, to this Lions team. Um, not that I'm saying Justin Fields is Jared Goff. Justin Fields obviously has a, a much <laughs> higher ceiling. But, you know, we're coming up on an opportunity where do you grab the quarterback? Do you try to keep making this thing work with Justin Fields? And, you know, you look at a divisional opponent that you just beat up on. And let's be honest here. The Bears didn't just beat up on the Lions today. They straight up dominated them for like, I don't know, 50 minutes of the other game that they played. Um, the the Lions, the Bears have had the Lions number all throughout the year, even though they technically split with them. And hey, if you go back and you track back to that last game, dude, imagine what the conversation would be like right now if the Bears won that game. We're on a four-game four winning streak, if that's the case, against three of the games against divisional opponents. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, certainly there's you can kind of go back through and see the the certain coaching failures that led to some of the collapses where the Bears would have a much different record. Um, yep. And, you know, ultimately, 
you don't want to be a revisionist, but this team at times has played, you know, at least good enough. It seemed capable enough to win more games than it already has. And I think, too, like really it's just been about and I think what might lend to Eberflus keeping his job, even though he's the head coach and, you know, not just the defensive coordinator, is how much the defense has turned around. And I think it's clear, too, um, you see Montez Sweat and the way that he's performed. He was pretty dominant in this game, especially, you know, late in the game, which is when you need it. Ultimately, yeah. if I'm going to pick one point in the game where I need the the pass rushers to to be on it to be at the top of their game, it would be late in the game. And and he was, he was a disruptive force. Um, and I think that kind of just that boost as well as getting healthy um, on the defense has led, you know, the defense to play at a high level um, and really start to, you know, move up as far as defensive rankings in the league. Um, and that paired with, you know, an offense that sometimes is sporadic and inconsistent, um, but usually does enough and, you know, while they still left points out on the field, I mean, if the Bears blew this game, it would have been talking about how they could have been up 17 to nothing, um, you know, and instead going into half, they were down 13 to 10. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, there was a lot of talking points going back where if this game didn't work out the way it did, we could have been like, you know, this Bears team still leaving points on the field, still leaving opportunities out there. Um, but at least over the past few weeks, the level of defense is playing um, it's not taking too much offense to get it done. And the offense definitely did enough today. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there's any coincidence that this defense, you know, it was getting better before the Montez sweat trade, but I don't think that there's any coincidence that this defense really started to hit its stride right when Montez sweat gets here. I mean, I have to say what I've been impressed about is the development of the young guys. And this is honestly something that I've really appreciated for Matt Eberflus. Obviously we've been hypercritical of him throughout his time here, uh, but I'll give him credit where it's due. He has done a really good job at developing a lot of these young guys, especially on defense, obviously, which is his forte. Um, I honestly would be a little bit upset if he gave up the defensive play calling responsibilities if he remained, which, you know, a lot of people are trying to hide from that fact, but I am under the impression right now at this moment, I think Iberflus can certainly save his job before the end of the season, oh, especially absolutely. if he beats the Packers. Yeah. It, I think that I think a Packers win would be huge. And ultimately just, you know, I, I think that, even two more, I think three more would just about seal three more wins this year to get him up yeah. to eight. I think would just about seal yep. that he could be retained. I think two more, it's going to be maybe a coin flip at that point. You know, we're going to see mm -hmm. kind of just how certain things finish up on the year. Maybe if one of those wins is the Packers, then he can stay. But man, like you just look at how easy the rest of the schedule is and yeah. you, you you can clearly see the path to him being able to retain his job, which which seemed like a ludicrous take, uh, you know, maybe even like four weeks ago. And not something that maybe I even I'm I will certainly be happy for the wins, um, but I'll certainly be a little bit hesitant going into next year if this coaching staff is retained, especially, you know, if they run it back with Luke Getze as well, you know, even still with some of the offensive success they've had, but I think, oh, it will just be a weird feeling heading in next year with Eberflus as head coach because I I can see why the decision would have been made, but at the same time I still know some of his flaws that have lost the Bears games this year. And, and let's be honest here, I I 
I think that there is going to be a scapegoat. I'm under the impression, just based off of what I heard from Ryan Poles earlier in the year, to me, this feels like this is the coaching staff. If I had to make a bet right now, I'm betting Iberflus returns. And like, I'm not saying I'm thrilled about that, to be completely honest at all. But I think that a lot of people made it a foregone conclusion. And now it's now it's not. And you know what? I'll say this. Maybe that's rightfully so, because if we do get up to seven wins or eight wins, sure, I'm not going to go under the whole Eberflus ideology where if you just forget the first four games of the season even happen. <laughs> but kind of if you forget the first four games of the season happen, you're talking about this team having a winning record and like well, it. Yeah, with this is what I'll say, like it is that is still wrong. It's the wrong mindset to have. But there is a little bit of truth there where it's kind of the same thing with the Lions last year when they retained Dan Campbell. You just forgot those six games that happened in the beginning of the season happened. We're a winning football. Exactly. Team. Um, exactly. And that's just what I was going to say is his one argument is just going to be look at that team that we just played, you know? Yeah, I could I could have them this team right in that same position. They were even talking about during the broadcast. You know, Ibrufus was saying, you know, this team feels a little bit like the way the Lions were last year, yeah. and how it would just be poetic if even if the Green Bay kind of keeps trending upwards and the Bears deliver the punch oh, uh, yeah. to keep them out of the playoffs. Oh yeah, and Ibrufus would just be banging on that door, being like, "See." Oh, See, you know he I can wants do it, it too. too. You know he yeah. wants that too. He's like one or two wins away from putting on the gloves and the cleats like Harbaugh oh. does. Like he's oh yeah, he's one or two wins away from that. Um, we're cutting off the sleeves. Doing the like, Pete Carroll yeah. throwing around the football. You know. He, oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. He's he's getting there. Um, I'll also say this: what I've been impressed about with and like again, we crap so much on Fields, Eberflus. We got to give them credit where credit's due. This is a big win, and this is an opportunity. And like, we'll see how the season plays out, but this is an opportunity for the Bears to really position themselves to really break the the narrative of what's surrounded this team over the past two years. Really specifically, yeah. like last week's game, winning that game to me felt a little bit like a curse was lifted. Where this team, it was just regardless <laughs> with what was happening, they're always going to find a way to lose the game. And last week, it, that right. kind of changed. Um, I'll also say something that I'll give credit to. I mentioned a little bit the player development here. Interior linemen look great. And again, I, that's partially because of Montez Sweat, but also I think that guys like Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens are just better players at this point in the season. And also, I think they've just found that right mix of getting the you know, vets like Andrew Billings and Justin Jones involved with getting these young guys in, trying to get them one-on-one matchups. Javon Dexter had his first sack of the season, which almost surprised me because he's been so close on so many times this year. It, it almost surprised me that that was his first one. Um, and the other thing that I'll say is like, there's guys on this team that are going into their third, their fourth years that are taking that next step in those seasons. Like for instance, Jalen Johnson, AKA huge mistake, not extending him because he is going to be expensive <laughs> as Kim. He has five interceptions he's on the tag. season. Two was it two he's pick six or tagged, one pick bro. six? Man, he's going to be he's expensive. Just- and like I like to see, like how many times during the Nagy era did a player have a breakout second season just to completely regress in their third season? It ha- like happened with Mitch, yeah. happened with uh, Mooney. Well, actually, Mooney might have had 
he he actually yeah, it was fine, but like overall, seeing Komet take the next step, Jalen Johnson, even guys that Ryan Poles didn't bring in, putting them in a position where they can actually develop their own game. I mean, what else can you want? This secondary is so legit. Like, I yeah. mean, I think there's there's so many times watching this Bears team that I like to try to step back and remove the bias as a fan as much as possible. You know, just try to really keep in line with what I'm watching and seeing across the league. And man, this Bears secondary is is certainly up there. I, I think that they're towards the top. Um, and I think they even have the chance, even if they move on from Eddie Jackson, to even improve mm-hmm. um, heading into next season. Yeah, um, I think that Tyreek Stevenson has sur- certainly shown that he has it. You know, he has the ability um, to play like a high level corner, especially when you're just asking him to be a, a cornerback, too. Um, and then you throw in Kyler Gordon is a, like elite to have at that nickel position. I mean, he's probably one of the better nickel uh, corners in the league. Uh, Jaquan Brisker, you know, he has his ups and downs. Doesn't seem like he can have a game where he's not um, on the field with an injury at some point. Um, but he is making impact plays, and he's not afraid to hit hard, uh, which I definitely appreciate in his game. So this secondary has been performing really well, and the defense is just getting that continuity now. I mean, I feel like things just seem kind of seamless. It seems like the the communication defensively is right on, and that's that's leading them to be pretty productive, especially in, in stopping the run. Um, the Lions had a couple nice run plays drawn up, especially that big, the one that went huge for Jameer Gibbs. Um, which was just, I think, really well schemed out. And Jaquan Brisker was down in the box as the box safety and kind of just got pushed out by the tackle. So it happens. I mean, sometimes you do just get beat. Um, But I think overall, especially in the second half, I mean, the Bears defense came up up huge. And there were some just weird plays like that fumbled snap, but the Bears finally took advantage of it. And that's not something something they've always done uh, this whole year. All right, coming back from a little technical issue, though, um, I do want to change the subject slightly. How did you feel about Justin Fields' performance? Because I, I know I feel like it's it's mixed, as with everything with Justin Fields. Um, I thought there was some highlights, and like I, I, I kind of liked what you were texting to me, so I'll let you explain it. Yeah, I mean, I felt like it was a solid. I guess I want to put this out here before I say anything else. Like, I feel like it was a solid B plus performance from him, and um, maybe some people will will take that as an underrating. Um, but I feel like he definitely stepped up when he needed to, and early on in the game, using his feet, using his legs to to get out of the pocket, run, scramble, um, keep drive drives alive. Uh, that was huge, and ultimately that nice play where on the fourth and thirteen drawing the defensive off, defense offside um, and, and launching it downfield to hit uh, DJ Moore streaking into the end zone. Great play. Um, there were just a few other throws where maybe, like I know you're texting me about Mooney, you know, wasn't able to snag a lot of pra- passes. And I felt too, you know, he wasn't given the best, the best shot on some of them. Um, and also yeah. that little uh, kind of scamper out into the flat by Komet, where that should have been an easy touchdown, you know, and, and Komet, you know, he could have brought it down, but why was it in question? It was just such a weird throw. Um, I think strictly looking at how Fields was as a passer today, um, you have to think that he definitely stepped up when he needed to, but there were some plays left out there that, 
you know, you're like, okay, he wasn't perfect. And I'm not demanding perfection. Like I'm not expecting him to go out and be every game say, Hey, he was perfect. But there were some throws out there where certainly, or even that one, uh, DJ Moore, you know, right over the middle of the field and the, the huge overthrow there. (laughs) That, that was a bad one. And that, that one, I can at least say that's pretty uncharacteristic of fields, you know, missing those like deep over, like, the deep middle shots or the, you know, deep out routes or whatever. That's pretty fields is typically pretty good with that. Um, I do think I do agree with you though, that, you know, today I I agree with the, the sentiment that it's a B plus performance, but at the same time, it's like, I, I do think Mooney should have came down with that. I I think Komet should have came down with that pass still. (laughs) Like I I know that it wasn't the best pass, but like still man, like that you're a tight end. You should be able to jump up and grab that ball out of the air. Um, you know, I, I, I understand that sentiment for sure. And I think Mooney should at least came down with two of them, but I want to get to the bigger point. It's like, I do think fields didn't have a great game. And I think a lot of, I, I don't necessarily count any of those passes in my game assessment. Even I just, he, there were some players like once again with him, which has been something that is more and more true throughout the season is that he is missing some reads down the field for sure. And that that issue popped up again in this game, like it was on display in last game. Um, But at the same time, I do wonder with certain things is like, why does this team put him in? Like, why does this offense put him in the position where he needs to be perfect on like on every down? Why Mooney specifically? I like Darnell Mooney. He has not shown the ability to on a down to down basis have super sure hands like he's shown it in spurts i'm not like for instance that one awesome grab against the vikings last year that was like ridiculous he's shown spurts of it but at the same time he shows why he's not a number one wide receiver and i think ideally not even a number two wide receiver in the nfl kind of like darn uh dan orlovsky (laughs) put out a couple years ago (laughs) that we we went against um yeah i mean overall for fields I think it's a good game. I love that there weren't any negative plays. Um, he had a couple great throws. That one throw, that one throw that was to Darnell Mooney on like on a on a dart on the oh, outside yeah. sideline. Out I think it was route, the right yeah, sideline. Yeah. yeah, that was you know, honestly, decision making wise, you typically probably do not want your quarterback to make that decision. But because of the throw was so good, it was a great play. Um, I'll say good good yeah. for Fields. He came up as much as we needed him to. We shouldn't have to expect perfection from him every game. But at the same time, I don't think my opinion of Justin Fields changed uh, because of today's win by any means. Yeah, I don't think it shifted too much. I think, you know, certainly if anything, it was a plus. Like, I don't think it was definitely a minus game for him at all. I think, yeah, you know, at the very least, it was a, a solid opportunistic performance. Um and I think that, you know, he can continue playing games like this. And if they keep winning games and this coaching staff is brought in, I think it would be malpractice to bring in another quarterback with the same coaching staff. So I think that, you know, it seemed like maybe it was going to be, uh, you know, a stupid point to say that, you know, he's the Justin Fields has to stack wins. But it seems like, okay, now that we're in this part of the schedule, just picked up this win over the Lions. As much as the wins are important for the coaching staff, you know, if he comes out here and snags three more wins as well, um, you know, maybe he certainly buys himself some additional time as well. 
So I think, yeah, I, I think another thing that bothered me besides like the overthrows or just like the lack of touch, you know, I think it was like lack of touch and rhythm on some parts where he was just, maybe he was throwing like flat footed or he also caught the receiver flat footed and also just the amount of time he was holding the ball in the pocket too. Like there's yeah. some plays where it's just obscene. <laughs> I'm just watching. I'm like, I've never seen football plays take this long, <laughs> especially that aren't just like already like scrambling out in a hurry. It's like, he's kind of just fading out of the pocket. It's casually been like five and a half, six seconds, just kind of fading out of the pocket more and more, you know, I'm yeah. just like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I still also like, I, I wish he – I understand why I think the coaching staff has coached it into him to keep trying to extend the play and look for the pass downfield because there were times last year where he chose to run rather than, you know, if he would have just bought a little more time been able to complete a pass. I do wish, though, that at times he was a little bit more decisive with when he's going to run because there was a few times today where he ended up with a sack where if he would have just ran it up the gut himself – uh, he probably would have gotten a good five, six, seven yards uh, off that play just because of the threat that Justin Fields is. I will also say, s- switching the subject slightly, Luke Getze, I know he didn't call a perfect game by any means, but like I felt like today's offense was what you want out of Justin Fields, which is he's been he kind of implemented everything that we were saying. Like, why are we not doing more outside zone runs? Why are we not doing more boot actions? Like today, I genuinely at times didn't know if it was going to be a passing play or a run play. Whereas I feel like for, you know, 75% of the games that we watch the offense that hits the field, you can predict it before the snap even takes place. Um, So yeah, I'll give Getsy credit there. Yeah. I think overall from the offense, I think there was, there were some points left out there on the field. Um, I, I feel like, you know, it was a good performance by fields and it had a chance to be, like an iconic, um, a very memorable performance from Fields. And maybe some people still view it that way, but I think it could have been even bigger. But when you look at it and zoom out, you take this win 10 times out of 10 and you take what the Bears are able to do. And it certainly puts them in a position, you know, coming down the line here where, you know, like it or not, Eberflus can fight for his job. Um, And, you know, maybe they'll stay in that in the hunt graphic for a little bit longer and uh, give the fans some real excitement as we get down the stretch here, which should just be a, a different flavor than usual. If they went out, they would make the playoffs, right? I don't know if it's a sure thing, but I think the, the probability is is fairly high if if they do win out. Yeah, I mean, that's not what I'm ultimately concerned about. I think today, again, good building block. It It's given me more ability to accept the fact that I already thought I kind of knew, which is that this coaching staff is likely coming back. Um, but at the same time, it it raises some questions to me as to how this off. I felt very <laughs> back when the bears were on their four game losing streak and we lost a year straight of games, pretty much a season straight. <laughs> what like, I felt very confident in the, in the direction that I thought this off season was going. At this point, I, I do think that Iberflus comes back, but at the same time, I'm not entirely sure about the quarterback situation or anything else like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see, man. But you also just wonder at times with Justin Fields, I know that we're 
I hate to say that we've been critical of Justin Fields. I think we've just been, tried to be as unbiased as necessary because we I don't think we want pretty the, fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want this to be like our ceiling, you know, and that that's kind of the big thing is like, can Fields get past this? Because nine times out of 10, where a quarterback is in his third year, that kind of tends to define his ceiling pretty well. Um, over just over history. I'm not saying it's, you know, everything. I mean, Jordan Love is obviously he didn't get to play as much as Justin Fields, but he's been playing pretty good recently. And he didn't have a great uh, when he played. He did not have great third season. Um, you know, guys like Geno Smith, things like that. It, it happens. Jared Goff, you can even argue a little bit. It happens. But at the same time, it's kind of unlikely. Uh, so I, I am interested. But at the same time, you know, the way that Justin Fields has built this connection with DJ Moore, you know, I do question at times like, hey, what if he also had Marvin Harrison Jr.? Could he develop that connection with another receiver? But then you also understand that it's a little bit unsustainable to build your team, uh, to build around a quarterback that needs elite wide receivers at the position. Yeah, let me ask you this. Uh, So let's think that Hey, let's say the Bears get, you know, two to three more wins this year, probably play themselves to maybe just towards the top of the top 10 of the draft as far as their pick or maybe even a little outside of it. With that first overall pick, are you taking Marvin Harrison Jr. or are you trading it down? I th- I'm I'm under the impression at this point that we draft a quarterback regardless of what happens till the end of the year. I think you you have to draft the quarterback uh, like this here's here's well, what, what do I'll you say. think they will do what do you think they will do though oh man i don't know i i i wonder if there could be a scenario where justin fields returns and we draft the quarterback <laughs> I, I just I, I don't know how i don't know how i feel about it, that it would be weird like commit one way or the other for me I don't need but I like, don't need like this. <laughs> here's here's my thought process with it is that if you're kind of under the impression like let me just say this, Caleb Williams if he's sat on a bench for a year versus Caleb Williams if he hasn't sat on a bench for a year. Like let's just say Justin Fields breaks out, right? Caleb Williams still has the same value. Doesn't matter. He's still going to be as valuable as he was when he got that first overall pick. Justin Fields does poorly then you give Caleb Williams the opportunity. And for the first time ever, for the first time ever, you might actually be able to do a solid thing as a Bears organization, which is to develop a quarterback under an already competent quarterback, which has never been done in in the history of this organization. It's controversial, but I kind of wonder if that could happen, man. I can see your take, and I can see it how if it works out optimally... (laughs) It, it could it could work. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have the biggest ego if that happens. And it works out well. I'll be like, I've been saying this forever. <laughs> I said it one time. I'll be like, I've been saying it since the beginning of the season. <laughs> You're gonna be feeling just like who is it? Mike Lombardi, who's the former GM that oh, loves yeah. and say every move is good or bad, and it's like, bro, you sucked, man. <laughs> yeah, he was the one that drafted. Jesus Christ, what's his name? I I mentioned this on the podcast too. Um, Michael Lombardi. 
But I think we already brought this up and figured out that it wasn't him. It was someone. No, else. no, it was him. It was it. He drafted. We did bring this up, but we were trying to see who drafted a separate player, and I thought it was Michael Lombardi. But I'm thinking of. It was an edge rusher. What's his name? No, Mingo. Yes, Barkevius Mingo. You drafted Barkevius Mingo, bro. <laughs> Shut Former <the> bear. <laughs> Holy shit, you're right. Why did that <laughs> why did that slip my mind that he was a bear? You're just not in that bear's lore, bro. <laughs> Dude, you gotta remember I how many people just pass through here. I completely forgot about that. Oh my god. That's crazy. Wow. Tough for Mingo, Man. but yeah, he was uh one of the worst pride draft bus in the many that the Cleveland Browns had. And uh, Michael Lombardi was at the head of the organization when that happened. You, if you're the GM of le- and legitimately the worst franchise in like recent memory from like <laughs> that period of time, you just got to shut the fuck up, man. Just take like, take it and like, don't join the media. Don't join the media, man. You're like, at least, uh, uh, Rick Spielman, the Vikings GM, who was actually a he was a fairly decent GM till the time he got fired. It, there was Bears fans and Bears media, you know, licking their chops to have him as our GM last GM search. You know, it, if you if you're a half decent GM, then yeah, get in the media, do your thing. If you're drafting Barkevius Mingo and and the head of the franchise that can't win a single game for multiple years. Shut the fuck up, man. And he, he had a horrible take with Montez Sweat, too. Like, he was like, Montez Sweat, horrible. He has all he has all the leverage in the negotiation. You're going to have to let him walk. Did that happen? No. What happened? Exactly what the bare necessities, not even the – we're not the smartest football minds in the freaking game. We're like, yeah, what's yes, probably going to happen is they're going <laughs> to extend him in a week. Yeah, apparently we have enough knowledge to run a franchise, so – Whatever. Yeah. Man. <laughs> what do you think, think happens at the QB position? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super interesting. Honestly, I think they're running it back with Fields, bro. I think that. Really? I think, you think they're going see, Marvin Harrison. I think we're going to see so much of the same. I don't want to attest to that. I don't want to attest to that. I don't want to say that they're going to take, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., number one overall. I'm not saying that I'd be particularly mad. I do think that he is obviously a tremendous talent. Um, but I think that maybe they trade down at some point though. Like, I don't know how long the bears are going to be able to keep going this cycle. Um, but there is, I will say that, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are stuck on Marvin Harrison jr. And I get it. There's a lot of wide receiver talent in this draft. There's a lot of it. Yeah. And, oh and yeah. We were talking about this during the week. This is a really good class. This is a really good draft in general. And I talked about this last off season. I was like, this draft is going to be crazy good. And yeah. you can get a bunch of value everywhere. So maybe maybe the trade down is even more powerful this year than it was last year. Um, so we'll see, man. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I feel like just if this works out, and this is the Bears, so they could go ahead. Who's their next matchup? Who are they playing? Browns, I think. Next? Okay. Let's say they lose to the Browns. Um, you know, we could be back in a totally different mood. But if this season kind of plays out the way – that I think at least we've been talking about, we think it can play out. I can see how they just return it, say we're going to add more talent and we're going to let it go. And I can see where the hat, (laughs) 
ends up not working out and they fall on their face. But I'm going to stay optimistic, at least for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think we have to agree, though, that if you pass up on this QB class, you better be right about Justin Fields. Because oh, if you're not like this is this is your quarterback like. This is your opportunity. Like you, you get to make this is Ryan Poles, whether he drafts one or not. This is his quarterback decision. And yeah. you don't get many of these, and you don't get many first overall picks. If Justin Fields is bad or doesn't turn out the way we want him to, Poles, you're you're the one that like you gotta decide what you want to risk your job on. Do you want to risk that your third year quarterback who, you know, still has not been able to put up the statistics that we think he could have been? Granted, injured get it completely get it but like do you bet on that or do you bet on you you're keeping i seems like you're keeping the coach or do you you know take the young quarterback i feel like this team might think that hey justin fields we think you're going to be great we can probably get some good trade value out of you we feel like this team as a whole is in a really good position to be capable of actually developing a good quarterback this would i will say the situation of drafting another quarterback if you maintain matt Eberflus, i understand that concern completely like doing the same thing that we did with fields same thing we did with trubisky that concern is completely valid right but at the same time i have to say this is the best situation i think ever that a quarterback could be developed in for this Bears franchise. This is a really, really solid. This is like the perfect, almost the perfect time to drop a quarterback in because the team is still bad enough where there's not the high expectations of a rookie, a big rookie season, but it's still good enough where it's on the upswing and you have the offensive line a little bit better. You have DJ Moore. I'm I'm under the impression that if yeah. it was me making that pick, I think I'd pick Caleb Williams, and I think with that second pick, I'd grab Malik Neighbors. I understand though the question with Marvin Harrison Jr. I I would be very critical if you just I'm gonna be honest trade down again because at a certain point draft picks are draft picks. You're looking for generational talent, and at the wide receiver position, I know Malik Neighbors is very good, but Marvin Harrison Jr is the closest thing I've ever seen to like a can't miss prospect. I think in my entire time drafting besides maybe miles Garrett. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, people downplay the Trevor Lawrence hype too. I feel like that was kind of, kind of close. Yeah. Oh yeah. Honestly. Yeah. For sure. I think Saquon as far as Barkley is another one that didn't work out. I would say, let me say a lot of good stuff that you said, Austin, let me just say this though. And you know this. I'm a big fan of Caleb Williams. I like his game. Yep. I would not be... I'm not going to have particularly strong emotions either way. You move on from fields or draft Caleb Williams. I like Caleb Williams. If they end up picking him, I'll be happy. I can get excited about it. I'll be damned if he's learning his first NFL offense under Luke Getze, bro. <laughs> I'll be damned. <laughs> like, honestly, I will not be happy about that. And that will be like the first little bit of doubt that creeps into my head literally right away so yeah. that's fair completely fair that's where i, agree. I sit with that <laughs> i also think that there is like uh, i do think that there like people that see caleb williams on the outside i feel like i understand they're they they try to make him out to be a similar prospect to what fields was 
I get, I, I understand if you just look at things black and white on like a statistical measure, you can draw that conclusion. I'm just going to put this out. They're nothing alike. Like as someone that has watched every single minute of Caleb Williams college career and almost every single minute of Justin Fields college career, these two quarterbacks are complete. They have some similar issues. Caleb Williams is sometimes horrible at trying to hunt for the big play and like get making a stupid decision. He runs with the ball. This is Caleb Williams biggest, biggest flaw. His biggest flaw ever is when he runs with the ball, he runs with it in one hand and he sticks his hand out. It's he's holding it like this. The entire time he runs, it's drives you nuts. He's the most fumbles in college football. Like it's ridiculous. He fumbles at a ridiculous rate. That's, that's one of the easiest things to fix. Okay. I'll say that. Caleb Williams doesn't have the processing delay that fields has. And like, you can just look at Caleb Williams. I I have more concerns with like the translation of like the air raid offense to like an NFL offense and like Lincoln Riley's scheme, which is just a really flat out good scheme that gets guys open. I have more concerns with that than his processing ability, which I've never felt was a flaw for Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams can sometimes sees guys that are open. He chooses the decision to try to make the big play, which is different than Fields, who I feel like doesn't see that he's open and 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 then just kind of panics. I like Justin Fields, yeah, but like if we're talking about a pure prospect, man, Caleb Williams is very, very far beyond where, no. where Justin Fields was. I think Caleb Williams is legit, man. I, I do. I, I think that he's up there. And I think that him and Drake may, I don't think are particularly close, but me neither. Yeah. I think that you have to fully commit to the style of game that Caleb Williams plays. And it's not always like it, you know, just like, you know, how Mahomes is not always interpreting and, and making things up on the fly, but you have to have an offense that accommodates for that. And that makes that a priority that the scramble extending plays can be the plays that break the game open. Um, yeah. And right now, particularly, I think with the offense the Bears have had, that's not really something that they allow Fields to do um, that much, at least in their passing scheme. <laughs> and I'm not saying it 100% wouldn't work between Getze and Caleb Williams because it's you can predict it, but you can't completely foresee how it would work out. But it just doesn't seem at face value right now that that would be something that would match up well. And not that that necessarily has to be like you got to pass up on them. But it's just this has consistently been the Bears' mistake is taking a quarterback on a lame duck coaching yeah. staff. And yeah. if that happens, yep. it'll We're be fucked. another massive misstep. It's just yep. there's so much to consider. I mean, I don't think many people – in some ways, Ryan Poles is in a perfect position, but he's also in an undesirable position. He's got to make some tough decisions. He's got to make the right ones oh, yeah. this offseason. Yeah. yeah, he's done a good job to this point of like – and this is why I, I can't stand people that try to like criticize Ryan, like Ryan Poles. I'm like, dude, he is by far the best GM this team has had in years. He, if we fire him, we're making a massive, massive mistake. I don't think Ryan Pace even was as bad as some people thought, but I understand that his his thought process, the way he, I think Ryan Pace was a good evaluator of talent, but his thought process and the way he tried to build teams, I think didn't work as much. But at the same time, I also want to say that I think he kind of just went all in once he realized he was stuck with Mitch or like for the most part, like he was like, we have to go all in or else I'm going to lose my job. 
But Ryan Poles has done a fantastic job. I agree with you, though. This is a whatever this decision on this quarterback will either make or break the way Ryan Poles is viewed. If Ryan Poles hits on a quarterback this draft that's a game breaker, he's gonna he's gonna be legendary in Chicago forever, right? If he decides to run with Fields and it works out well, people are gonna think he's a genius. But if either of those two options don't work out, I mean it. It's often it's said job. that your your quarterback decision is is what gives you what keeps your job or loses your job. They'll have either fifteen years of stability. This is the one thing I think is a little underrated too. Let's not forget where Ryan Poles came from. Ryan Poles came from Kansas City. He was there when they drafted Patrick Mahomes, who was coached by none other than Cliff Kingsbury, who is now on USC staff coaching a prospect that, I mean, when you watch him, you can just see, like, I'm not going to say they're a splitting image. They are. There are differences in their game, but the way Pat, uh, Caleb Williams plays is very, very similar to Patrick Mahomes. The throws he can make are very similar to Patrick Mahomes. Ryan Poles went through the whole development cycle of seeing Patrick Mahomes. And what did they do when they drafted Patrick Mahomes? They they already had a quarterback that was playing at, he was in the MVP conversation, Alex Smith. Now, <laughs> I'm not going to compare Alex Smith to Justin Fields. Justin Fields certainly has a higher ceiling than Alex Smith ever did. But he... His last organization was in a similar perspective where it's like, hey, we have a guy. We think he can be good. But at the end of the day, we think he has this defined ceiling. What do we do? And what did they do? They drafted a quarterback. No, I mean, I think it's a valid point. You know, at the end of the day, I think that's a valid point. There's still so many options on the table. So I don't think you can really quite discount anything at the moment. Um, And I will say really really quickly to your point, Reese, I do think that Caleb is a good fit for the bears offense, like the Shanahan scheme in general. Like we're having this conversation. I think if Ben Johnson came in, I don't think that Caleb Williams is meant for a Ben Johnson run offense. I don't know with certain things, the ways he, the way he runs his offense. I don't know if he does it out of necessity or what, but I definitely think Caleb is better fit in a Shanahan offense or just a West Coast offense. Not that Johnson doesn't have West Coast elements to his offense, but he does a lot of more condensed sets, simple drop back under center. I don't I don't believe Caleb Williams is best fit for that. I think he's best under shotgun, Shanahan offense, West Coast offense. Um, but I will 100% agree with you that I don't know if Getsy's competent enough to develop a quarterback. The man makes some of the worst decisions I've ever seen. And on top of that, some of the ways that, I mean, we could, you can just see in the run blocking, this Chicago bears team has horrible, horrible run blocking at times where it's just players missing assignments. It's not that there's bad players. Players are missing assignments. And you look at a guy like JTL Sullivan, who's like breaking down the film every time he's like, I don't understand what they're doing <laughs> like schematically at times. And, you know, I'm not going to say Getzey is far from the worst offensive coordinator this Bears team has had, but there's still a lot of, you know, we're looking at you, Dow Loggins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is actually, uh, he's actually still coaching somewhere. I think. Really? Yeah, I can't Look, remember where. You brought you brought up the the um, the Ryan Poles, you know, kind of roots where he came from. Let's think about this though. I had to do a couple of quick Google searches to make sure I had my timeline right, but I definitely do. 
What about the second round quarterback drafting strategy brought over by none other than Ian Cunningham, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's you know, a fair they comparison, had Car- too. Cause they had Carson Wentz, right? They go ahead and they get Jalen Hurts. Maybe there's something yeah. more to this drafting quarterback thing than we think. Or maybe, you know, maybe they're just they're cooking with badging. <laughs> Dude, that that would make me literally like I would hate this team. Oh my god! If I had to watch Tyson Bajant for an entire seventeen game season, I might it's, just it's forget about the NFL. It's interesting. I get you know I'm not knocking it at all either way, but it's always interesting whenever they show show Tyson on the sideline. He uh he's got his helmet on. He's ready to go. He's not wearing the oh, yeah. warm up jacket. Oh, yeah. You know, like he's standing there. He's like I'm locked in like at a moment's notice. So. <laughs> Interesting. Sometimes when Justin Fields is about is having a little time to get up, he's like sprinting out on the field, like ready. He's like half sprinting. He's, he's already got like one of the inactive people he's tossing the ball to him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's getting the arm ready. Uh, so I yeah I, I and I agree with that, and I think that that is another situation to me though. If you're gonna create the scenario where Justin Fields is competing with a quarterback. Why don't you just get the best fucking quarterback in the class when you have the opportunity to? That's my opinion. I get the I get the thought process, but I don't I don't know. Um, you'll never guess where how long it's, is coaching right now and what his position is, bro. Is it in college? It is, is. It Division One, like FPS. Yeah. FPS? Oh yeah, big big time. Big time, like a big program. Yeah, pretty big. Yeah, big program. I'd say interesting let me like throw out like is it florida like florida no that would be hilarious because it's a better school than you would think honestly what conference what conference sec ah interesting is he at ole miss with with kiffin nope nope damn got lincoln riley quarterback at quarterback this past season oh really a Lincoln former, Riley quarterback. Former Sooner. A former Sooner. Dude, oh my goodness. What am I not? Oh, <laughs> he's with he's playing Beamer ball, huh? He's at South Carolina. Yeah, Beamer. Yeah. Shane Beamer. Oh, yeah. And he's the <laughs> offensive coordinator. How did I not know that? His team is no, actually. No like, wonder there's no production or no protection, bro. That's why the <laughs> offensive line is trash. How the. Like, honestly, how. Is that offense just not horrible? Especially with Spencer Rattler and Dow Loggins as your offensive combo has to be one of the most like cursed combos you could possibly have. <laughs> I remember when they beat LSU last year, Spencer Rattler was smoking the cigar as if they just won a national. Here's here's a little tip to any D1 program. Never break out the cigars when you beat a in-season team. Just never do it. I hear you. Unless yeah. you're unless you're like SMU beating like I don't know like Alabama or something. All right, maybe I'll let you break out the cigars. But you're an SEC school, bro. You should never break out the cigars for beating a three loss team that wasn't even. I don't even think they're in the playoffs or anything. Maybe the Bears will pick up Rattler. You know he's declaring. Oh God, I, I I hope not. Oh my God, that would be horrible. The stories I've heard of Spencer Rattler, man, oh man, and him, him and Caleb do not get along, from my understanding. Well, I mean that that totally makes sense. I mean, yeah, that was the story of that whole Oklahoma season, and he stole the job from him 
during yeah. it was the Red River rivalry game, right? Yeah, it was. Caleb you're right. Williams came Caleb in, came back, and won the game for him. Man, craziness, yeah. craziness, and uh, man, there's some interesting quarterbacks coming out in this class too. It'll be interesting just come draft time. You know, we'll go. We always go over the quarterbacks regardless. So great QB interesting class. To see. I yeah. think it's good. I think it's good. Still a few things to see if people, if a few guys decide to hang in there for a year more or not. Um, like yeah. It could be maybe JJ McCarthy stays in. I don't expect them to. Quinn Ewers probably stays with Texas, I yeah. think. So, yeah, I would be. I would be shocked if Ewers didn't stay with Texas, but at the same time, like that Texas offense is so run heavy. I feel like I would like to actually be able to evaluate Ewers because he's like the best, like worst quarterback you've seen, you know, like he's like good and bad at the same time. Like you just, it's, I find so hard to gauge Ewers like in the slightest, he's going to be a complete shot in the dark come draft evaluation. I almost would like to see him in a different offense. Um, I doubt that he would leave Texas. I'm actually surprised uh, Arch Manning is going to be okay with uh, staying patient. Apparently, report. I mean, reports are reports. (laughs) You know, sometimes they're all smoke screens, but yeah, we'll see what happens after where they end up in the playoffs. We'll see, man. Yeah, I mean, these are factors for. you know, for some different situations here. But I think regardless, you look at this entire draft coming up and even if some players decide to stay in school, I think it's a really good class at a lot of different positions and the bears have some high quality picks. So, um, absolutely, you know, the thought processes they are going to be able to bring in some players that are, are difference makers. And with that, man, I think, I think we can kill it. We're not going to harp anyone down with our long-term season talk. We did start off pretty good staying in the game. You know, we stayed in the game pretty good. But it's so hard right now at this moment to not question the long-term future of this team. Listen, man, I'm just excited. It's always good. Like this, It's a great season because you don't need to worry about your draft pick when you're winning. The Panthers just lost again uh, to the (laughs) Saints. Man, it's... That pick is all but locked up, man. It's going to be real, real tough to lose that pick. Um, we we did get some disservice with some of the strength of schedule being adjusted on the on the uh, Patriots, but you know, all that's well ends well. Exactly, and always good to notch another W. You know, got to eat one like Jameis. So, <laughs> in honor think, of the Saints, uh, yeah, certainly a great. A great week. Victory Monday coming up for this Bears team. First time with back-to-back Victory Monday. Well, wait a second. They played their last game on Monday night, so technically a true. Victory Tuesday. Um, true, but true. back-to-back dubs for the first time under Eberflus. And uh, celebrate a hey, little bit. Have a good time. Does Enjoy it, the rest of the slate. Does it even count as a back-to-back win when the bye week was last week? It counts. It counts. <laughs> He's only winning every other week, regardless of what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the only reason why they won. They would have lost if it without the bye week. Bear down, everybody. See you Bear at the down. parade. Yeah. Go Tigers. Oh, I was hoping for Stanzos, man. Stanzos.